Hello and welcome back to Chop for Time. I'm Jesse Martin and I'm here with our fearless just our fearless leader, Ben James. So we uh, we have this series every week where we do this show and, and we talk about uh, things that we saw in the message this past week at church. And well, I'll turn it over to you to kind of give us a little bit of a synopsis of your sermon on Sunday. Okay. Well, welcome back, Jesse. It's good to have you back this week. Andrew did a yeoman's effort last week in filling your shoes, although we, we know that that's just an impossibility. Nobody's going to be able to fill your shoes. Yeah, I wear two left shoes. <laughs> <laughs> two left yeah. I can believe that. Yeah. I, that can, seen, I can believe you've that. You've seen me run. Yeah. <laughs> I've played basketball with you before. I've, I've seen it in action. Athleticism just oozes, oozes out of from me. you. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we talked last week, uh, this past Sunday, out of Mark chapter 2. We are in a series called Who We Are. We're looking at the values, the uh, vision kind of of this church, what we feel like is the heart of God for us as a congregation here in Grayson during this season. The Sunday before, we looked at, you know, restoration is our message. This week, we looked at people are our hearts. Uh, so we went out of Mark chapter 2, and we we covered verses 1 through 17, but we kind of did them in a little bit of um, backwards order so to speak. I read verses 13 through 17 first, which is the calling of Levi and a little bit of the confrontation between the religious leaders and Jesus in this passage. And Jesus ends the passage with him telling them, you know, don't you know that I I didn't come for the well. I came for the sick. I I I came for the sinners. I didn't come for the righteous. And I wanted to use that to kind of set the tone for the message that we were going to have. The This whole series has kind of just been a storytelling thing. It's not one in which we have multiple points. You know, this is the point from this passage. This is another point from this passage. And there's not been a whole lot of, okay, now we're going to wrap this message up and we're going to give you practical application yeah. for this. This has been more just getting into the text telling the story, reading the story, and then maybe unpacking some context, some cultural elements, some some of the things that we would kind of gloss over because really in our culture they don't mean that much. Yeah. But back in this time, it would have been something really, really relevant. And it would have either been countercultural completely or it would have had a heavy weight to it. And that's what we're doing in this series. So I wanted to read that passage first to get that understanding that the words of Jesus himself were, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I didn't come for the righteous person. I came for the sinner. That way it would give us a standard in which to view this next scripture through. So at that point, we went back to verse 1. And that is the story in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, of the paralyzed man whose four friends bring him to Jesus. But it's not quite that simple. It's not just them bringing him, walking straight up to Jesus and going, hey, here's our friend. It says that they brought him on basically what was a makeshift bed at that time. It was um, a cot. I mean, if you if you put something in our time in your head, if you got to relate it to that. It, it's like a cot that a would car. have... Could it be a stretcher of some sort? Yeah, yeah, a stretcher, yeah. something like that. I, it, 
it would be very similar yeah. to that. And we don't know why the man was paralyzed. We just know that he was. Yeah. So they get to the place where Jesus was, the four friends bringing their paralyzed man. And it says that the crowd is so great that there's not only not room inside, but they really can't even push their way through the crowd outside. So these four friends take it upon themselves to get their friend, on their, their paralyzed friend, onto the roof. Then Scripture says that they dig through the roof and lower their friend down in front of Jesus. Mm-hmm. At that point, Jesus looks at the, at the man and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Then there's this little bit of back and forth between uh, Jesus and the religious leaders, and they're going, who is this man who forgives, you know, thinks he can forgive sins? And then at the end of it, you know, Jesus has a little bit of back and forth, and then at the end of it, he looks at the, the paralytic man and goes, okay, pick up your mat and walk. You're healed. So we took that story, and then we just kind of started to unpack and be challenged, I think, if we are making the statement of people are our heart, then our lifestyles need to match up with that. The way that we approach our outreach, the way that we approach our evangelism, our you know ministering to people for Jesus Christ, it needs to look like they are actually our hearts and not just something that we say. Yeah. And I was particularly challenged in the study in the run-up to this, and I hope that I kind of brought that across to the congregation and you know spoke this word in a way that it would challenge them as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, because the reality of it is, is I believe if I was in charge of getting one of my friends to Jesus, I don't know if I would have been that persistent. Yeah. I just don't know if I would have. Well, I mean, and I, I would say that most people would just say, well, we got to wait. You know, yeah. it's just well, let's wait for him to come um, out. You know, eventually he has to leave the house. He's not going to be here forever. But I think there was a fear that uh, they didn't want to miss him. And I think there was this this urgency. We need to help. We need to bring him here now. He yeah. needs Jesus now. He doesn't need to wait. Um, and they they – they went pretty far. I thought that it was kind of risky to do what they did. You know, you, they're destroying property. They're they're, yeah. they're 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 breaking someone's home, and you, there's usually consequences for oh, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, and you know, they would have had to even to get to the door. The way that the scripture reads in other gospels, and in this one too, you get you get a hint at that. It would have taken great effort just to get through the crowd to get to the door yeah. to realize that, hey, I'm not going to get any further past the door here. Yeah. And, you know, it, I think that we have this tendency of we believe that if we just share the gospel with somebody one time, mm-hmm. that, oh, well, they didn't respond to it. At least I was obedient and I did what I was supposed to do. And we kind of wash our hands and mm-hmm. and move on. And we don't see that. Nowhere in this passage do we see this. Well, we tried. Yeah, this permission of, oh, well, good try. You know, yay. Uh, sorry we couldn't. You know, and just think about that conversation you would have to have with that friend, yeah. that paralyzed friend, if he, if they, you know, were beyond, if they needed a physical touch. Yeah. And you just stopped at the first crowd, that conversation, you had had to look down on your friend as you were carrying them go, sorry, man, we really tried, but look at this line. Yeah. 
And then even if you did decide to go on just a little bit further and try to push through, there would have had to, you know, most of us, there would have to be a point where you go, dude, I'm really sorry. Man, I really tried. You know, we, we gave it a good effort, but I just, I can't push anymore. Yeah. I can't get through this anymore. Well, I mean, it's not even just in the house and at the door. There's a crowd around the house, you yeah. know, trying to get in there. So it's, it's you know, trying to get to the front front uh, row when you're in a huge concert, you know, it, it'd be hard to do that. And this even so much more because it was such a small venue, such a small house. Yeah. Or, the house wasn't necessarily small, but right. but in comparison to somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, because it, it would have most likely, from the crowd that was described there, it was probably a decent size house anyhow, at least mm-hmm. a moderate size yeah. house. And then it, you know, it says that they got him up on top of the roof. Mm-hmm. And after reading some things about the possibility of you know, some archaeological studies and what houses could have, would have, did look like at this time, the worst case scenario was that it was just a straight up and down wall. You know, and, and they're not really tall at this point. Houses are not two, three stories tall. It's a single-story ranch kind of home, yeah. to put it in our modern-day picture and imagery. So that you know, worst case would just been a flat wall that they would have had to try to figure out somehow to scale it and get their friend up there. Yeah. Best case scenario would there have been there would have been two cross beams, you know, that would have made an X that would have provided support, and they could have walked up. Yeah, but we also have to keep in mind it wasn't quite as simple as walking up because you're you're thinking about probably a three to four inch at most, maybe six inches, maybe yeah. wide cross beam that four people are trying to get someone on a cot up, uh, which wouldn't have been an easy task. Oh no, I mean Olympians yeah. in, in gymnastics, yeah. uh, the best of the best do things on that you know and just imagine four people at the same time trying to to carry a a, a non-flat object yeah. you know they they yeah. they had to hold it to the side a little bit yeah and, and then and then they get up on top of there and there there's some that think you know some commentaries and scholars that I read you know about this home and some of their thoughts they thought that there may have even been a courtyard that they would have lowered him into through the you know off of the roof into the courtyard but more than one of the Gospels details that they dug through the roof. Yeah. And it may have been a tile roof, so it may not have been like an actual with their fingernails digging through. Yeah. Uh, but regardless whether it was a tile roof or actually digging through, this is some effort yeah. that we're talking about here. I tried to put myself as a bystander, just watching, observing this scene from inside of the house because they were digging through the roof at some point Roof material would have had to come crumbling down. Yeah. And and my question is, is I wonder if Jesus even missed a beat at this point. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he knew what was happening, just kept teaching, and everybody else was just like, eh, Jesus even should, noticed. Should we say yeah, something? Yeah. Should I hold my hand? No, no. Peter, Peter, where's Peter? Peter, you <laughs> yeah, do Peter it. Peter will say something. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, and then, you know, you had talked a little bit earlier. What was the homeowner's perspective oh, yeah. of this? Oh, yeah. Um, you know the destruction of property, I, I, and and the homeowner obviously wanted Jesus there, right? So right. he was excited to have Jesus yeah. there. So is it one of those things to where oh Jesus is here? I'm in front of Jesus. I have to you know I have to act excited or I have to say it's okay even though I'm frustrated about it. Yeah. It's one of those you have one of those awkward smiles on your face. You know you're just trying to mask the uh, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's sometimes scripture does that. They don't. It doesn't tell us everything. They doesn't paint out, you know, how the homeowner was feeling. Um, but we have to realize these are real people. Um, and they had feelings, they had emotions, they had a thought process just like we do. And uh, so I I can't imagine having someone damage your home would be an overwhelming, excited, (laughs) overwhelming good thing. Right. And that, you know, what we did was from that, once once we went through the story and kind of told a little bit of the context, I... uh, I went back and and made the observation that I think that there's at least a couple things that we could pull from this scripture that, uh, you know, number one, just the persistence of it. But I I think that one of the things that we needed to be aware of and challenged by is to be aware of what's going on around us, be aware of what's going on in other people's lives, because it's so easy to get wrapped up in our own little world, in our own chaos, in our own hectic lives where we find ourselves in this bubble of us and the family and the kids and mm-hmm. the church and you what, know, our what work I'm doing right and, in front yeah, of me. whatever is just right in front of my face and we lose perspective inside of what's going on around us. Yeah, uh, imagine like I'm, I'm trying to sit in this position and if I knew somebody was in need outside and needed to get to Jesus, you would think most people would be like, oh, yeah, come come through. But that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. They 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 were so caught up in where they were, and they were so intent on being there that that sometimes they miss what's happening behind them. Yeah, yeah, and that's so. I, I think that that's one lesson for us is that we need to be aware of what's going on around us. And I think number two, we need to understand that ministry and bringing people to Jesus is rarely convenient. Oh yeah. I think we need to be willing to be inconvenienced because you can see inconvenience all through this story of these four friends as we look and see that they just were persistent. Yeah. Um and 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 they got they became original. I mean, they were quick on their feet thinking it's like, "Oh, we can't get this. Oh, look, a roof. Yeah. Hey, let's just haul this guy up there." You know, that's 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 sympathy. Yeah. That's that's a coordinated effort. That's yeah. originality. That's persistence. That's all of these things. Yeah. You had mentioned earlier uh, while we were talking about um, how the man must have felt. You know the the reaction of of the man whose friends are doing this. You know, yeah. um, what do, what do you think he was thinking? Yeah, I think that at some point there's probably a little bit of guilt there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we all, none of us want to inconvenience the oh, people yeah. we care about. You know, yeah. our friends, our family, we don't want to inconvenience them. We don't, it's funny because we don't mind to seem to be uh, inconvenienced ourselves. It's like, hey, if you need anything, let me know. And then we're happy to do that most yeah. of the time. But very rarely are we the ones willing to make the ask that might inconvenience someone else. So I think oh, yeah. that he may have been. Um, you know, had had some guilty. You know, had some guilt yeah. that was going on. And there had to be some anxiousness there too. I mean, yeah. if you're lying there and you can't move and you're on a mat and you're being taken up the side of a home. Yeah. Well, and and also the the fear of losing hope. You yeah. Know, this is an exciting. Oh, yeah. This is an exciting. Thing. Hey, we're going to take you to Jesus. But what if it doesn't work? Yeah. Or what? What, what, what if, if they if, give up? Yeah. Um. And and to the point, I feel like if I was in that position, they get to the house and it's full. Guys, it's we can't get in there. As the person on the yeah. mat saying yeah. that. And then, you know, how blessed are you to have a friend that says, no, this isn't going to stop yeah. us. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just – that's amazing. And that really should impact us as we look at people in our lives who need Jesus, yeah. people that we care deeply about, or even people that we don't know or know that well. Yeah. 
that we're all searching for hope. Yeah. And at one point we were in the situation, you know, yeah. we, we had someone come into our lives and, and bring us to Jesus to show us who he is and bring us closer. So I, I just thought it was cool to see that perspective, you know, yeah. just to think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And just to, you know, look at it from the standpoint of um, how much, that he was being dependent upon his friends. Yeah. It was just un- unbelievable to me. I did tell a little bit of a story about picking up uh, youth group members. Oh yeah. One time and it was uh, you know, I uh, the church I was at before this, we had youth group at our house on Sunday nights which, you know, thrilled me to begin with. <laughs> um, house full of teenagers. Fantastic idea. My wife loved it. Would have it every day of the week if she could. I'd be in the corner somewhere. <laughs> um, but that meant that I would leave usually around two hours before time for start of youth group and go pick up kids. And then after youth group was over, that meant that I was usually two hours kind of round tripping it back and forth, taking kids home. Uh, and it every Sunday, it would be an inconvenience to me. Yeah. And on the way to pick up these kids, I had a poor attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a really poor attitude. But the difference that that made in the kids' lives. Oh, yeah. Um, because it was God that made the difference. It was God that, that met them there, but having the understanding that I was one of the vessels that he used to make that happen it is humbling, and it's it's pretty sad when I look back on how I viewed that. Yeah, but you did say usually after you were done, after you dropped the kids off, you did have a better sense of, of uh, joy. In oh, that. yeah. Yeah, but for some reason, that, that very rarely took me through the entire week because I always had that bad attitude. And I, and I, I think that's uh, something we struggle with, and, you know, we have to – sometimes it's not easy to go out of your comfort zone, to go and do things, you know. you you got to think of yourself less for other people, and and it hurts sometimes to do that. But after we do it, there's a sense of joy there. Yeah. It's not yeah. it's not a it, it's almost kinda like God designed us that way. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. amazing how things work like that. I had another question. I as we're reading through this passage, I, I run into the thought of you the first thing Jesus does is see his faith and forgive him. Maybe speak to that, uh, because he forgave him first before he healed him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there is um, there's significance there. Um, I I believe in healing. I pray for healing. I pray for people to be healed. I think that's biblical for us to do. But I think sometimes we can see the product over the provider, and and that's kind of what we seek after. And I think that we need to understand this is a paralyzed man. The friends are bringing him there because he is paralyzed and needs a physical touch. And the first thing that happens whenever he gets to the feet of Jesus, Jesus goes, son, your sins are forgiven you. I think that there's a couple things. You know, One of the things that we need to understand is that Jesus came to forgive our sins. Mm -hmm. He came to provide that restoration and redemption, period. No other, you know, no arguments, no other con- consolation things here. He came so that we could be restored in our relationship to our Father, and that requires forgiveness of sins. Yeah. He, but he also came to teach. Oh, yeah. And well, we, I mean, and everything else he did was out of love for us. You yeah. Know? Did he have to stop and, and heal people? Did he have to do all these things? Um, right. And, and, you know, I don't think he had to do them. I think he yeah. wanted to yeah. do them. And we see in this picture that he's teaching, 
He's in the home and he's teaching, which was one of the primary purposes he came. And then he he forgives this paralytic man's sins. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we need to understand the priority here because it's at the end of the scripture, you know, this passage that goes, take up your mat and, you know, walk. Not taking away from the significance of a physical healing, but we need to understand that Jesus' primary purpose here on earth is to forgive our sins and provide redemption. Yeah, I mean, we he can heal our physical bodies, but those are, you know, the Bible says they're only tense right now. Yeah. They're only temporary. Uh, what we need is is eternal, mm-hmm. and, and Jesus brought that. And, and it's hard to see that sometimes when we're not looking in, in the light of eternity. But And it's hard to see that. Yeah. It, it, it makes it hard to see that when you're not really focused on eternity. You're mm-hmm. focused on the here and now yeah. and what's in front of me. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, you, you brought up a little bit of a good point earlier. Um, we had some mind reading going on here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, um, we see that in this passage, if you read the, the scripture, the questions of the religious leaders of who is this man that he forgives sins— that wasn't a discussion they were having amongst themselves. Yeah. That was thoughts that was going through their minds. And then Jesus just, he addresses those thoughts. And I mean, I see this, you know, it, it, it's kind of like when you get in trouble in school or in a class or something like that. And the instructor or the teacher may know the general direction from where it's coming from, but doesn't know the exact source. And everybody yeah. just sets up a little bit straighter and just kind of, you know, you may even be pointing at the guy sitting next to you, you know, that, that this 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 person's fault right here. You know, they did it. I, I almost kind of see that with the religious leaders, that they kind of set up a little straighter, stand yeah. up a little straighter, and then they're just kind of like, is he talking to th- That wasn't. Not, uh, did I say that out loud? Did that- <laughs> That was supposed to be an inside thought. What happened? You know, did I did I say that out loud? Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, it's funny things like that. It it again goes to show the divinity portion mm-hmm. of Jesus because that's beyond man's ability. Oh, yeah. To hear thoughts, but then it also it provides a little bit of levity to me because I can I can put myself in their their shoes and their reaction of going. Whoa, snap! <laughs> you know, um, it's just a just a humorous little insight there to me. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. I, I love this passage. I love the fact that we read this passage in our reading plan. Uh, yeah, and now I get to see a week or two later. I get to hear this message on this passage that I just recently read, mm-hmm. and I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And if you all are not joining us for our reading plan, we're doing a five for five, five by five, five by five, by five. Yeah. Five by five uh, Bible reading plan, and and this week we're covering chapter ten of Mark through fifteen, right? Eleven through fifteen. Eleven through yeah, eleven through yep. fifteen yep. this week. So we would ask that uh, if you're not reading your Bible every day, join us for this. You know, yep. it gives you five days and then two days to either catch up or rest. You know. Uh, before you get started with the next week, and it, it's not a, it's not a hard thing. To no, do. no, not at all. It usually, like I said, about. Uh, it takes about an average of five minutes to read a chapter in the New Testament, so that you know the five by five, five minutes a day, five days a week. So yeah, and I, I think uh, if you will do this, I, th- I think you will be blessed. I, I think God will show you some things in your life, and and, and just uh, I, I think you'll be blessed by it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, is there anything else that maybe you wanted to throw in there? Is there anything that maybe you didn't have enough time uh, to talk about on Sunday? Yeah, I think that. Going into this, I knew 
this passage would probably open up some questions in some of our minds. One of those questions being, because we're talking about, we're, we're challenging the source of the person getting someone else to Jesus. We're not recognizing maybe the dynamic of the history between two people trying to get them to Jesus. Yeah. So I knew that this was going to open up the question of, well, doesn't it take at least a willingness mm -hmm. to be taken to Jesus? Doesn't it? What if that other person is just not willing whatsoever to even hear or entertain the thoughts of Jesus, much less be taken to him? Yeah. So I knew that those questions were going to come up. And to honestly be able to address that in a proper way, I just didn't have time that time time to do that. So my response to that in in this episode, uh, as you know, to be as expeditious as possible here, I would say that if you have that type of person, which I think that we most most all of us have, if it gets to the place that it compromises your physical, emotional, and especially your spiritual health then I think it's time to take a step back from that dynamic of that relationship. I always believe that we are at minimum commanded and expected to pray for people, to pray for the lost, no matter how badly they've mistreated us, how badly they have used us, abused us, um, any of that. I think that at a minimum we are expected and should be praying for their salvation. Beyond that, if it's not risking your health in one of those areas, especially your relationship with God, your spiritual health, I don't think we have a reason to say, well, I've done all I can do. Yeah, I think that we need to continue to make those efforts. But now, please hear this clearly. If it's compromising your health in one of those three areas, I think you need to take a step back yeah. and, and reevaluate. And I think uh, some people... Have uh, it, not everyone comes to Jesus immediately when they hear the good news. Yeah, some people oh, yeah. they have they have a, a long journey as they move towards Christ, and and just because they're not coming at this moment doesn't mean that they won't ever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we see in First Corinthians, I think, where where he says, uh, Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God is the one that made it grow. Yeah, God gets the increase. And yeah. and you may be planting seeds. Mm -hmm. You may be the watering can for somebody uh, uh, through this process and you may not get to see the you may not get to see the outcome right away and uh but really God's the one that gets the glory for it. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and I think that's just such a beautiful scripture oh, yeah. reference and I'm glad that you you brought that up because and I think it's a pride issue. Oh yeah. But we want to see and know that the work that we're doing is providing a harvest. Mm -hmm. um, and, okay, I get it. I get it. But whenever our ego and our pride is the motivation for what we're doing, we're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. we're, we're missing the point. And, and you're right. There are some things um, that some people that we invest maybe hundreds of hours, thousands of hours of our lives into that we personally may never see come to Christ. But if they do, and it's maybe someone else that leads them, why would we have an upper why would why would we have a problem with that? Oh no. 
Yeah. I, that just, I, I don't, I, I just, I don't know. That goes beyond my realm of understanding, uh, which it, most things are beyond <laughs> most my things realm do. No, of understanding. No. But I agree with you. I think there is a pride issue there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and also the question of, well, why didn't they listen to me? What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And and sometimes we just need to realize that it's a process. It takes time. Yeah. Um, and only God is the one that can change their hearts. There's yeah. nothing I'm going to be oh, able to I, do. Amen. Yes. There's nothing that I'm going to be able to do to change somebody's heart. Only God can do that. Yes. So so we sometimes I think we put too much pressure on ourselves. Yeah. That that I have to save this person. Oh, absolutely. We take ownership of it when we don't have ownership yeah. rights. And and we don't have ownership. We're not powerful enough for that. Yeah. You know, we yeah. we don't have the power to change their lives in that way. Mm-hmm. But Jesus does. Yeah. So yeah. that's why we point people to him. Yeah. And I think that for some of our more analytical, maybe clinical thinkers, mm-hmm. one of the things that I did read about is to um, maybe the source of why the the person was paralyzed. Uh, in biblical times, they weren't quite as clinical mm-hmm. um, with their explanations. They basically just made an overall statement of mm-hmm. a physical condition. Mm-hmm. They, you know, could it have been uh, muscular dystrophy? Yeah. It could have. Could it have been some type of spinal cord injury? Yeah. Sure, it could have. Uh, you know, we are far more clinical today in regards to what is wrong yeah. with a person. If they're paralyzed, then you know, were they part of an accident? Yeah. Uh, are, are they looking at someone who may have been involved in some type of attack that you know, yeah. or just anything yeah, like and, that? We get far more clinical. Back then, it was just a statement of their physical condition, and, and it may have just been partial. He may have been able to have movement in his arms. He may have. We don't really get that picture. We yeah. just in our minds all we are told is that he's paralyzed, so you just imagine somebody on a mat just not able yeah. to move. Yeah, and, and and sometimes Scripture will tell us that they were paralyzed from birth, yeah. but then sometimes they don't. You yeah. know, Scripture doesn't tell us. And and I think that, um, you know, we can tend to get lost sometimes in those type of questions. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, if you look back culturally then, there was usually one broad stroke, broad brush definition of things like this. Yeah. Oh, well, there must have been someone in their family yeah. who sinned. Yeah. There's sin in the family, so yeah. that's their punishment. Mm-hmm. So that w- that was just a little side note. Yeah, that I, wanted I to think throw it's in there. cool sometimes to think about that stuff, but when we let it get in the way of of seeing the real message of the story, yeah. The, yeah. Of the oh, passage. I, there, I mean, it. I was thinking about it, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I was reading about it. Yeah. So yeah. I agree. So awesome. Well, I really enjoyed the message this week. Are you you excited to preach on Sunday? I am. I am. We are looking this Sunday at service is what we do. Awesome. Who we are, service is what we do. We're going to be looking at the story of uh, Jesus washing the feet of the disciples uh, on you know the Thursday right before he's arrested on the right before his crucifixion day. Mm-hmm. So this is a swan song of Jesus's life that we're seeing. And he's stooping down and serving and washing the disciples' feet. Awesome, awesome. Well, we look forward to that. If you don't have a place you call your your church home, a church family, we would love for you to come visit us. Um, We uh, have services at 1030 on Sunday mornings, Mm -hmm. and we would love to see you and hope that you can join us. All right. So, guys, until next time. See ya. See ya.